Hey friends, this is P, or as you may know me online, at Aston Cloud. This is a bit of a different episode here because it's just a Twitter Spaces, unedited, unfiltered. And this Twitter Spaces was done in conjunction with Outland Art and Grailers DAO. I was there representing Grailers DAO, but the good folks at Outland Art and Grailers allowed us to post this to our podcast. So we'll tweet it out. And this was a spaces for Leo Villarreal and his team. They are releasing the next collection of Leos called Cosmic Bloom that's going to come out in late November, early December. More details to come. It's launching on Outland Art. It was a great conversation. Leo was super nice. Simon Says from Grailers DAO was also there talking gen art. And uh, Leo had some really interesting thoughts. I learned a lot about him, learned a lot about Cosmic Reef. So for those of you who don't know, uh, Leo was a part of the Artblocks curated series six with a collection called Cosmic Reef. And he actually is a very well-known artist outside of the Web3 world. He's done a lot of fantastic work with light installations, San Francisco Bay Bridge, and a lot more that he talks about in this spaces. So just wanted to give a quick intro for this. Hope you enjoy it. I'm Chris Liu. I'm the Chief Artistic Director at Land.Art. Um, we are a art NFT platform and also a digital magazine looking at the intersection of art and technology. Um, super honored to be able to do this Twitter space with Grailers DAO, um, with Asta and Simon, um, and even more so honored that we have Leo Villarreal here to speak with us. Um, to be talking about the new NFT project that he's doing with us at Outland, um, and also for all of us to talk about um, generative art and really what Grailers has been so focused on. Simon, do you want to hop on? Sure, yeah. Happy to um, sort of do, a, do a quick intro. Um, hey, all. I'm Simon uh, with Grailers DAO um, and also spend my day, do- my day job um, working with Crypto for Charity. Um, you know, getting people to donate donate crypto assets. Um, big Gen Art fan, um, big collector on on both ETH and Tezos, uh, and also fun fun fact as we're here with Leo uh, would have been I think very difficult for us both to foresee this this day coming. But we actually met first 14 or 15 years ago when my wife um, helped to install Leo's big uh, project Multiverse at the National Gallery, which is. Um, the fun, a fun, all this coming full circle. That's amazing. That's so cool. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And go ahead. Nice oh, yeah. I'll, I'll just quickly introduce myself. Um, I, I go by P. My name here is Aston Cloud. Uh, I'm a member of Grailers DAO and also have gone full time Gen Art, creating a podcast and education tools uh, through what we're calling Collector's Corner. That's also listening here. And I, you know, am really excited to be here because I've really fallen into the generative art rabbit hole, not having a ton of artistic exposure or experience even a year ago, and just love it. So um, happy to talk through any of these and excited to see you know, is putting out and what you all are doing with Outland Art. Great. Um, I wonder, you know, this might be a nice way just to kind of frame the conversation around generative art. Obviously, Leo has been um, doing this for so long, you know, well before the advent of NFTs. And love to hear from both Leo, but also from Simon and P, just in terms of, you know, what draws you to this medium and, and especially, you know, in this moment of the last few years. Well, I, I guess, um, yeah, I've been working with code for over 20 years. I studied sculpture way back when and then got into technology in the early 90s and um, eventually found my way to light sculpture. 
Um, so it's always been about, uh, you know, light, but, but driven by code. Um, so I've been, you know, developing my own custom made tools for over 20 years and, uh, you know, working with a lot of creative coders. So it's very exciting to see the, you know, this, the, the, the developments in the, in the NFT world and a whole mechanism for being able to connect with a, with a new audience and to be able to distribute this kind of work. Um, so I'm, I'm personally, I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled and, uh, really, really excited about, um, this new format. Yeah, I mean, for for my part, you know, I I really stumbling into I'd say the sort of generative art NFT scene last year is like the thing that really made um, I mean it it made NFTs click for me, right? It made it made like collecting art on chain uh, really click in a way that it just hadn't before, where it's sort of integral to the art itself in this fundamental and foundational way. Um, and more generally, I, I just love as the world, as we get more digital in all things, um, the fact that we're able to create these beautiful art experiences and just you know, gorgeous and interesting and thought from code is such a fascinating kind of, um, I don't want to say evolution because it like degrades what other, what, what's come before, um, but it's a fascinating progression and um and sort of new slice of what's happening in the art world. Um, and it's, it's been sort of very exciting to me ever since. And I haven't really stopped paying attention. Yeah. And, and for me coming from a different background, I studied engineering, uh, like biomedical engineering. I, I was a doctor and working as a doctor, but always really fascinated with technology. And I feel like generative art is this, incredible intersection of technology, aesthetics, art, beauty, and uh, also culture that's emerging. And for me, as someone who never felt like a creative, it felt like a great transition to say, okay, there is this analytical, technical aspect to it that I understand, and it is more from a world that I come from that is extremely interesting. But now it allowed me to put my foot into the door into the aesthetic side that I started to appreciate. And it feels like it's opening up a whole new world for me. And I know there are many people in the let's call it the crypto or the NFT community who feel similarly. And the other thing that's super exciting, the community, I, I don't know everyone who's listening here, but I imagine from my experiences in the gen art world and in Grailers Dow, folks are coming from all walks of life interested in this. And I think there's something special about that community. Uh, especially now as it's small and it's very approachable, like folks like you, Chris and, and Leo and, and Simon and everyone else. Leo, I'm wondering if I'd love to hear your thoughts on like, you know, sort of a, well, a, a few things, but the a thing first comes to mind is like, in my mind, the, the two, and obviously this is partly because of my connection to multiverse, but like when your name comes up, the things the things I'm, I first send someone are a link to multiverse and a link to the Bay Bridge lights. Um, curious if, like, do you, now that we have sort of, sort of more widespread talk around generative art specifically, do you consider those projects generative? And do you consider the, the work that you were doing in that sort of in that, that time frame and, and since to be generative? Or do you see your... Um, sort of as you've entered into more of the space and with Cosmic Reef and, and this upcoming drop, do you see more of like a transition in your career toward generative from more one-on-one -on -one or whatever? 
That's a, that's a, an interesting question. Uh, so for people who don't know, Multiverse is a installation at the National Gallery of Art in Washington, D.C. in a 200-foot-long hallway that was designed by I.M. Pei in the 70s. And it was always very unresolved, even according to the, you know, the architects. And uh, I was asked to think about the space and what would I do. Um, so I proposed installing 41,000 white LED lights um, in between these metallic slats. And uh, initially there was a lot of apprehension, you know, like, oh, my God, are people going to have seizures? What's going to happen? And I had to do a lot of reassuring that, no, this is a different way of using light. And it's um, so we got through that and um, uh, we're able to do this installation that has been up for, you know, it's, it's been a while now. It's amazing. It was supposed to be up for only one year, but it's something that really changes space and that people really felt a deep connection to. And um, so it's great that it carries on. Um, but the key part of it is the, you know, the lights are one part of it, but the, what's really activates it is the code and the sequences. And my approach has been to engage principles of emergent behavior and artificial life um, in my process. And I was obsessed with John Conway's Game of Life and the cellular automata and, and the idea that these simple rules could lead to these incredibly complex patterns you would swear you would seeing in the cosmos or under a microscope. Um, but these things that were, you know, really felt alive. Um, that really got my attention. So I was working in that vein and, you know, trying to come up with my own rules. Um, uh, but so my process is sort of, you know, I don't know in advance what's going to happen. It's very improvisational and I try lots of things out and you wouldn't think you'd be able to work with code that way, but I, I found a way to sort of to do that and try things and, um, not knowing in advance what's going to occur. When something compelling occurs, like with multiverse, I would then capture that moment. So I would record the sequence of what was happening with the lights. Um, so those became the building blocks for the, the, the larger artwork. And then I would start to combine those, those building blocks into more elaborate compositions. And in a way, it, you know, it's very musical in the way that it would you know, rise and fall um, and, and build and break down and, and, and repeat. Um, but the, the one thing I'll say is that the multiverse at the National Gallery is not making new sequences that I've never seen before. Um, I, everything is, has been, you know, I've seen it and I discovered it and it was recorded. What it is doing is randomizing all the playback of, you know, up to three different layers of sequences that are happening simultaneously. So it's playing the sequences in a random order and for a random amount of time. So I'm really shuffling the deck in a way that, it'd be very hard to see the exact same or almost impossible to see the exact same progression twice. Um, so that's sort of, uh, the way I've been working for a long time. Um, and that same process, you know, the Bay lights is a, is a public artwork in San Francisco on the Bay bridge. And that encompasses 25,000, uh, white led lights uh, on the bridge. And that's been up, uh, next year will be 10 years. Um, uh, so, but I, you know, the new things I'm working on, the latest project is the illuminated river in London with nine bridges over the Thames. And for that project, um, the code we developed actually is generative. It's not pre-recorded sequences. It's, um, uh, we, we worked in touch designer to develop these new kinds of, of patterns. And I would just observe it and watch it and let it do its thing and make sure it wouldn't go off the rails. Cause that's my biggest concern. And, you know, is that it's going to look the way I want it to look always makes me a little bit nervous in, uh, you know, when you're, when you're doing this generative work that it's not going to, 
be what I want it to be. So I'm ready to write myself out of the equation. And I think that's, you know, the really exciting part of all this is having to encapsulate all of your, you know, thinking and all these things into the code itself and then letting the code run and not knowing what's going to, you know, what the output will be, but waiting for that moment of surprise and, and tuning the code in such a way that, you know, we can make, you know, 1,024 iterations of Cosmic Reef, for instance, and, and be comfortable all going to be, um, you know, they'll all be unique and, and interesting. Yeah, I think it's that really careful balance of um, both control and the amount that you kind of give up to the code itself, Leo. You know, I think it's kind of amazing to find that improvisation within the programming. And I was wondering, maybe you could speak more to that, both with Cosmic Reef and also, you know, the next NFT that um, you're doing with us at Outland with Cosmic Bloom. Sure. Um, so Cosmic Reef is a project that we launched in January um, and... I loved meeting Eric Calderon and Jeff Davis at Artblocks and getting to know those guys. Um, really, I guess it was around this time last year that I went to Marfa, my family's from, and uh, they had opened a space in Marfa, which kind of blew my mind, and that they were talking about, you know, the work of Donald Judd, the Chinati Foundation, and all these um, inspirations in connection with the generative art world uh, was really thrilling to me. And so I went to meet them and, and you know, there were hundreds of, of crypto people in Marfa, which I loved also. And everyone's like, why are we here? What are we doing? And so, you know, Eric is sort of connecting all the dots to, you know, the history of art and, um, you know, kind of rule based uh, things. So that was that was that was super interesting. Um, so Cosmic Reef was, you know, 1024 iterations and it was a kind of a. For me, it was a. I just take a piece I'd made somewhere else and kind of adapt it to 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 be to be an NFT. I really wanted to understand deeply the format of like what is this, um, and and how can I make something that's really like native to the whole format and platform. So it it was a it was definitely a, a steep learning curve and you know learning to work with 3JS and 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 realizing that what we could do with that um, and what we could do in a browser. That was the first kind of major um, epiphany I had. I was like, whoa, this is really powerful and I can do some amazing things with this. Um, and then understanding the, you know, the generative aspects of it and, and how do we create features and how do we, you know, how can we build all this stuff into it? So it's um, really, um, that was super thrilling and I learned a lot and it's been amazing to see the way that the community, you know, has engaged with the artwork and I've met so many people and, in a way, it, you know, it's really just opened up my work and made it accessible to a lot of people who don't necessarily have access to my my sculpture. Um, so it's a um, exciting, and I think uh, immediately after doing Cosmic Grief, I said I want to do this again. I mean, it was so thrilling. So we've spent um, many many months working on a um, you know uh, a new project that we call Cosmic Bloom, and it's it's related to Cosmic Grief, but it's definitely its own code. We've revised everything. Um, so it's really exciting, and we're going to be doing a preview of it in London uh, next week. Yeah, and I think that's going to be really exciting for anyone that will be in London. On Tuesday, we'll be at um, Stone Nest with a public presentation um, from 12 to 5 p.m. Um, I think, you know, it's interesting, Leo, in that you're, you've kind of moved, you know, you're not a screen-based artist, you know, and so with these NFTs, it's kind of a shift from, 
the kind of IRL physical presentations and installations you've been doing. Um, I'd be curious to also, you know, elaborate, if you could elaborate more on those different experiences and also to hear from Simon and Pete of thinking about that kind of intersection between these kind of generative virtual works and, and more physical experiences and presentations. Well, we have a, um, in my studio here in Brooklyn, we have a, a LED wall that I used for, you know, another, you know, several artworks I've made. I've, I've used these, these panels uh, to make my light sculptures and I've been connecting with kind of ready-made technologies. And one of the thrilling things was to put Cosmic Reef on that display, uh, which is like 10 feet tall and 50 feet wide. Um, so really um, to see Cosmic Reef at that scale was amazing. And knowing that it is uh, resolution independent um, and can scale to whatever size, and it had a major impact. So it's, 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 you can see, you know, Cosmic Reef on your phone or on your computer, but, you know, seeing it like, and it holds up. And one of the things that's interesting to me is that we did this activation of the Z axis, where if you push Z, it takes you on this journey inside of um, the, you know, it becomes a space, almost like this immersive world. Um, so I really like, you know, that's the exciting part is that it's such a tiny little bit of code and somehow can create these things that are so rich and that have so much life in them. Um, so we've been, you know, working on that. And I'm, you know, of course, can't help but connect all this stuff back to my sculptural work. And some of the code things that we've been doing with Cosmic Reef have worked their way into some of the tools I'm using to make some of my sculpture and some of these large LED arrays that, that we're going to be using in London um, is also very interesting to me. Um, you know, beyond, um, you know, at its core, it's the code, but it's manifest in lots of different ways. So um, it's, I think what's happening is pretty, pretty revolutionary and it's certainly um, thrilling and, you know, kind of busting things open with, you know, having so many creative coders and really evolving everything. And it's like everything is moving at a much faster pace now, um, but it's really um, super fun and exciting. And I you know, can't wait to share it with everyone. No, th thanks for explaining that. This is, this is really exciting to me because it's making me think about all sorts of possibilities that I hadn't before. And I'd be curious to hear Simon's thoughts on this and yours as well, Leo. As you think about mixing the in real life with the code and using the code to generate new pieces for people, you mentioned the LED lights. You know, what other things have you considered and do you see this becoming a larger part of the experience, I suppose, where, you know, you were talking about the LED lights, you're talking about sculptures. In my mind, I was like, well, what if you could generate a code that then determined what a fireworks show looked like or other things like that? And when I look at Cosmic Reef, it, you know, I see these blooming lights and almost like bursts of energy and I, I find fascinating and I love that project. Um, but yeah, I'd love to hear thoughts and Simon's thoughts on how this evolves, especially as we incorporate in real life with the generative, whether that's sculptures or other mediums. That's the big thrill for me is, is doing things in, uh, in dragging these. I mean, my, so I talk, you know, in the nineties, I was working at a research lab in Palo Alto interval research that Paul Allen had started. And I was doing all this virtual reality stuff, um, which is a whole other thing back then. Um, and, you know, we were, we just needed a faster silicon graphics machine or a haptic feedback device or a special chair, whatever we would need to create this like immersive thing. Um, and so I was working on that and uh, I was a summer intern and 
ended up going out to Burning Man in 1994, and um, which blew my mind. And I've been back every year since. But it, you know, what, what I found at Burning Man was that you could do these, you could create these immersive experiences where people are things that were communal that would bring people together. And it was the opposite of what I was doing in VR. VR was very lonely and empty and very disconnected. And, you know, at that time, you know, you're just, you know, floating over, there's like a, a sphere and like a, a foggy plane and whatever. It was very minimal. It was sort of depressing. I'm like, wow, you know, I want to, I want to bring these digital things out into the world, drag them into the world and make them physical and let people enjoy them without being encumbered with this stuff. Um, so that's the path I've been on for a long time. And, um, using light to do that. Um, so I guess it's kind of going both ways. You know, the, the, I like the, you know, the NFTs can travel and do all the things that they do, um, uh, and connect with new audiences. It's hard for me as a sculptor. Sometimes I miss the physicality of them, but that's part of the deal. Um, but I'm working on both sides of that and, and trying to create these, uh, immersive moments. And I think there's a very rich intersection with all this stuff and that all of it can coexist, but it, it's definitely cross-pollinating, and I think the you know the future um, is very interesting, and especially with you know with when you mentioned fireworks, you know uh, the the you know the the drones and all these kinds of things, and we have amazing technology now with lasers and drones, and I mean just unbelievable stuff that we've never had before, and connect to code is like amazing, and we can replicate a lot of the things that we see in nature and things that kind of we connect to on a universal level, whether it's like a sunset or the movement of water or fireworks or things that somehow elicit joy in us. I've found that we can just those things into code and make those things portable and give them to more people, which is really, you know, really fun. Yeah. I think for, for my end, you know, thinking about the, like what we can do in person, there are two specific um, entities that are like, experiences that really jump out at me um, that I've had, right? One is uh, some of the bright moments stuff they've done, right? Where like I particularly remember I went down um, last autumn for a mint of a new series from Jeff Davis called Reflections, where you were able to kind of like, you know, stand in front of a gigantic screen as the piece was minted. Um, and Jeff was right there to like talk you through it and, and sort of understand what was going on. Um, and it's this really, you know, immersive and communal experience, um, a bit about like your piece, which is really, I think, you know, sort of a fascinating way to do it. Um, and then last, I don't know, June, I think it was, um, at around NFT NYC, Artbox made this, Artbox and Samsung had this, uh, you know, gig, like ludicrously large screen it was like i don't know eight stories or ten stories or something like that of like that samsung had, had put together on which was displayed these uh, you know amazing works of art including some cosmic reefs that you know truly larger than life um and and all these other pieces and it really um there were there were there were pieces there that i had um you know seen and appreciated that put them in a totally new light and there were also some that were like, oh, actually, this isn't as impressive in, in, in person. Um, but it really made especially some of the more interactive and immersive pieces really shine and and come to life in a way that um, that you can appreciate just on on a computer screen. 
Yeah, I was at both of those events, um, Simon. It's it's funny that we didn't <laughs> see each other. Um, and I totally agree. I love being there with Jeff and, you know, his family and and having this moment of, of, of minting where it was really like personal and the artist was there and, you know, they all had this experience. And the first time you see it is in front of these cool screens. And, um, you know, what's, you know, interesting is that, that all this, you know, this NFT web world is very, um, online and, uh, but, but I, you know, it's amazing to me, all the social activity that occurs in this community. And, you know, there's, there's the digital, but there's also tons of stuff going on and it's really, super fun uh you know all these parties and events and um so i think that there's a lot of uh you know again this hybrid thing of uh you know it's happening in, in you know in the digital world but it's also happening in the real world which which i love and and i think you know it's just fun to to hang out and meet people and it's a it's really like this uh, amazing community I think in many ways, it's like your very first work at Burning Man, Leo, is like the light that serves as a beacon to bring everyone together, you know, which we're all doing, whether it's on Twitter or Discord or, or in person. Yeah, I've described that piece as like a digital campfire because um, it, it was 16 strobe lights with a simple microcontroller and zero is off and one is on. And I had these relays and I built it at the in the physical computing lab at, at ITP at NYU and um, and then took it out to Burning Man. This was pre 9-11. So, um, you know, it was a really scary looking Tupperware box with wires coming out of it and all kinds of crazy stuff that it never could have taken on an airplane. Um, but I got it out there and mounted it on top of my mobile home. And, you know, it was pretty amazing, the, uh, the result, because it was so such, such a tiny amount of information. But through the programming and sequencing of it, it really felt like it was alive and had this, it was trying to communicate and had a really like a, a, an amazing um, impact. And it, um, so that was sort of the the moment where it kind of, I was like, whoa, this is something very interesting. And, um, you know, changed the course of my work at that point. Um, so yeah, and you know, I guess I'm still kind of doing the same thing, but you know, now it's become, you know, not just some strobe lights on an RV at Burning Man. It's like, you know, huge amount of bridges in London or a bridge in San Francisco and these, Monumental public artworks are are very interesting because literally like hundreds of millions of people have seen these pieces. And, um, you know, I've also, you know, in, in, interested in the connection between what I'm doing in public art and also the world of art, because, you know, anyone can go and look at all the 1024 iterations of Cosmic Reef at full resolution and and enjoy them. I mean, if you can get over the idea of ownership. Uh, in a way, everyone gets access to everything, which is pretty radical. And that is not that is not the way the art world normally works. I mean, things end up in museums or locked up in a collector's home or um, so that that ability to access all this stuff is pretty cool. And it's, uh, you know, kind of a it's a, I think that's a, a, an interesting thing that, you know, is a parallel to uh, some of this other work I've been doing. And to follow up or even to see what, you know, how P and Simon read in terms of um, generative NFT works. Does it does that change how you're approaching what you're making and thinking about that reception and the immediacy of with an audience and collectors? I mean, I love the idea of accessibility, and it's you know it's um, that this work can, you know, it is a it is it's very much my work, um, but it's in a in a different kind of format that just really fun to be able to give it away to friends or family or whoever, and to be able to share it. And that, it, you know, and it is does have a very powerful connection to 
what I'm doing. So I, I think I'm, you know, I'm definitely, you know, committed to making generative art and making, um, you know, having this be a whole part of my studio ongoing because it's really, um, I think there's something very, really important happening with this. And I mean, there's been a lot of ups and downs with, with, with all this. And I think that it's an interesting time because, you know, you have, um, you know, people asking, well, why am I buying this? You know, why is this better than that? And, and wanting some, you know, some, some, some questions and it's like, okay, well, you know, I think I, I welcome everyone to participate in the space. And I think all artists should have a voice and be creative. Um, but I also think that, you know, there are, you know, curators and galleries and all these people who have been, you know, talking about artists and presenting artists. And it seems like there's more of an opportunity for for that to happen um, in this new space. And and I think that's, um, you know, it's interesting that, you know, also some of these, you know, some artworks are still able to, um, you know, they're still able to be out there and and be successful, um, despite some of the market conditions. I mean, you know, I just am interested in putting stuff out into the world and, and sharing my work. And, um, that's, that's really kind of a secondary thing, but it's nice to see that, you know, this community is resilient and that it is robust and can, you know, kind of roll with whatever happens because, you know, the world's pretty crazy. No, I, Thanks for sharing that. I think that it is really exciting. I got to answer your question about generative art and maybe touch on some of the points, Leo, that you mentioned about resiliency. There's just something really intriguing, a, a, a genesis qua, if you will, about generative art for people like me who were not really coming from the art world. So we're a blank slate. Uh, by we, we, I mean, people like me who weren't really exposed to art before the web three world and it's just it feels like this endless fountain of knowledge to learn about and understand and maybe even contribute in the the creation of this new digital medium and i liken it a little bit back to newspapers and articles where back in the day if you you know 50 years ago if you wanted to read an article you needed that physical piece of paper and that limited distribution significantly now to leo's point anyone can go and see all 1,024 cosmic reefs whenever they want. And that puts it on an even playing field just from a, a viewability standpoint, not even thinking about purchasing or collecting or anything like that, and probably enables Leo to really have a much broader reach more easily than he uh, otherwise would have had with his work. And I think that user experience is just something exciting and different that people are latching onto and really feeling in their ability to appreciate and learn about art. And also because the space is so small, being having folks like Leo graciously being more accessible than you would think, say, like a Warhol back in the day type of a thing. And, I, you know, I, I, I am curious. I have a question uh, in terms of the modern, like the traditional art world. Like, Leo, you, you mentioned that in a lot of museums, the art is not easily visible, not easily accessible. Um, but, you know, we are starting to see some more interest from museums. The MoMA announced that they will be freeing up $70 million for a digital art. And actually, Lee, I, uh, I heard you mentioned in a podcast with Zuckerman, who I, I believe you know, who is uh, 
uh, I forget her exact title, but I think she's a curator or head curator of the Orange County Museum of Art, another trad art person. And my my question is, how do you see these two worlds merging? You know, my sense is that there'll be some elements of trad art that get kind of ported over to the digital art world or the Web3 world and vice versa. And are, are you starting to yeah, how do you see that playing out? Katie is a, a, a friend, and we've known each other for a very long time, back when she was a, at the Berkeley Art Museum, and then she was in Aspen, and now she's in Orange County. Brought a group to Marfa uh, in April when I was having an opening of uh, Cosmic Reef at the Art Block space. So we did a whole exhibition, and she was brought her museum group of her trustees and, you know, who are kind of, you know, an older group and you know, have no idea about generative art, NFTs, anything. So it was actually really fun to be able to talk to them about this and try and explain what I was doing. And, and a lot of them were excited. Um, so yeah, I think it's, it's exactly those sorts of interactions of cross pollinating, bringing people in, giving them access. Um, and I think, you know, Pace Gallery, who I'm represented by is a lot of work in, in, in helping, traditional collectors understand and collect NFTs. And they, they displayed a bunch of my cosmic reef iterations at freeze LA last year. And, uh, and they also, you know, we showed some in, I had an exhibition in Palm beach at the gallery and we had some NFTs there. So it's been really a a great conversation to talk to them about what it is and how it connects. And um, so it's, uh, it's, I think all these things are, uh, breaking down. And I think the, you know, the, 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 the inverse is also true. A lot of crypto people who have never really, you know, been exposed to art are suddenly going to art galleries and, 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 and realizing, whoa, I can get a physical painting or sculpture, you know, that it's cost less than this NFT I have. Um, so it's kind of a, it's going both ways. And I think it's, it's very interesting and heady mix. And, um, and yeah, it's interesting that MoMA is getting into the, getting into it. And I think, you know, I think that's smart because there are some very interesting things happening and more and more artists are starting to understand. And, um, it's really, a you know, it's exciting to see, um, see it all, you know, sort of being born. Um, but I think you know, one, the other thing I w- would mention is that, you know, I, sometimes I'm, I'm, I, you know, I'm all excited about this crypto stuff and all the things that I'm doing. But, you know, you go out into the world and you start talking to people and there's so many people who have absolutely no idea about this at all. Um, so it feels to me like we're, we're really lucky to be having these conversations, to have exposure to it, to be able to par- participate in all of this. Um, but there's a huge, giant, giant audience out there that has not even begun to participate. So I think, you know, it, I always find that exciting to be in at the, the early stage. And I think we are at the very, very beginnings of all of this, and it's going to be really exciting to see how it unfolds. Totally. And I think also the another thing I wanted to point out within the traditional art world is that it wasn't always this kind of lockdown. You know, it's like 20, 30 years ago, artists were not necessarily getting their MFAs. There weren't any curatorial studies programs back then. You, know, you would come in through many different channels, whether that was like art or literature or science or medicine and other things. And there weren't as many kind of gated entry points in that sense. And, you know, to hear P coming from like a medicine background, I think it's really exciting because the more diverse backgrounds and experiences we have, it just feeds all of this, you know. And I and I think that's important for both like the Web3 side and for the traditional art world. I can I can jump in, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting to think about how this 
how how this plays out. And I think there's a, there's like the, a number of different cross currents, right? There's um, the general skepticism slash outright hostility toward crypto, which then bleeds over into NFTs um, that is certainly held viable in the art world. And so, you know, there's like, there's one strand in my mind that is how we kind of, how, how the narrative can decouple from what is on the one hand viewed as a kind of speculative financial asset. And then on another viewed as like, a, a way for people to own and collect and distribute art in a novel form, essentially. Um, and then on the other is sort of the, the interesting ways in which the, like, how do we get, how do we get more and more people to have the types of experience that, that Leo just described of bringing the curator down to the art block space and, and really having that, um, that sort of aha moment. Um, where it's like, oh, this stuff isn't, this isn't a gimmick. It's not Drek. It's actually like interesting and powerful or can be, right? And how do we, and, and part of that also is like the sort of curation and the and, and quality of different different pieces. And part of it is contextualizing it better. Um, but that's like a big part to me is, is like, I'll have conversations with people where they're like, yeah, but what's the, you know, what's actually happening here that's interesting that's that you haven't seen before that's more than just a pretty picture on the wall. Um, and then you can sort of, if you can get them to spend the time and look through, you can find things that 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 illustrate that, but it, it, it can be tough to to have the open or to find the openness. And Leo? Yeah, it's, um, I feel really, you know, very optimistic about it. And I, you know, I guess, you know, I was just at a Burning Man, which hadn't happened over the last two years. And I think that was really, again, very, um, I feel like you're really connected to like the new, the new out there, like you're almost like in the future. Um, and it's, uh, it's just a huge, you know, when I go out there, I always feel like I'm getting kind of rewired and, um, and, and, and it's something that gives me a lot to think about all year long. But I think we have an opportunity in this you know, in this space to make it the way uh, we want it to be and, and make it in different, it's different from the rules in, um, you know, which is always an exciting place for me to, to be able to make it up and to create something and then to be able to share it and, um, and, and address some of the things that are not great about the, you know, quote unquote default world. Um, so I've kind of seen this before with Burning Man and the tension of, uh, you know, between, you know, uh, burners are like, you know, Burning Man is great. And they go back to the quote unquote default world. But, you know, what's happening is like the default world is turning more and more. It's more and more like Burning Man all the time. And there are these regional events happening in the world. And, and it's really something that, that that culture is portable. So I've seen this happen in lots of different ways. And I think we're, um, you know, I think that this is something exciting and something that is transformative. And I think once people kind of can wrap their heads around um, this stuff, and I think, I mean, one of the main things are just the barriers to entry right now and the complexity of setting up a wallet and, you know, figuring out how to get translate US dollars into ETH and, um, you know, and, and setting up your whatever, your, you know, your, your vault. And it's just like, it's really, a, it's complicated, <laughs> to say the least, and sort of terrifying, too, because, you know, uh, for a lot of traditional collectors, and they, you know, 
Uh, they hear these horror stories. So I think all of that was going to help tremendously to um, kind of address some of these things and figure out how to let people more easily acquire the work and understand how it operates and those sorts of things. Um, but I think that all those kinks are going to get worked out. And, you know, what's exciting to me is to see so many people I know who are creative uh, people and have skills and code and that suddenly they have, you know, they were doing some job that they didn't really love and doing this stuff. And, but now they're like, I'm not, I'm going to, I'm going to make NFTs. I'm, I'm going to become a generative artist. And there's like a really exciting uh, wave of people who are getting access to these things. And, and I think a lot of artists, like traditional artists are also learning about, you know, through Pace Verso, there's a lot of my artist colleagues at Pace who suddenly are using, you know, um, uh, P5 and, and 3JS to make things. And, you know, they're going to be coming out with their own NFTs and, and certainly a bunch of the things that Outland has been doing with, with artists. And really, uh, it's a very rich um, space. And I think we're, uh, you know, we're, we're again, lucky and um, to be here and to have kind of a front row seat to see how it evolves. Well, in many ways, I would say it's more than a front row seat because it's, you know, because it's so early, all of us have, you know, a hand in steering in what it could be or what we want it to be, um, which feels really exciting. Yeah, you're right, Chris. We're not, you know, we're not spectators here. And that's one of the other things about Burning Man. Everyone is a participant. And <laughs> so we're not in the front row. We are like on the stage um, and doing it in a big way. So um, it's good. Totally. And it's also responsibility in that, you know, it's like, how do you shape it into something that, you know, isn't going to turn into what we see now with like Web2 and social media? Absolutely. I think, um, you know, the generosity and kind of respect and all these sorts of things are, you know, are really, really important. Um, so it's, uh, I think, you know, you know, right now, I guess I'm just super focused on on Cosmic Bloom, and, and you know, that's uh, you know, we've been working feverishly on it, and um, it's been so exciting to evolve and to have more time. Because I think you know, Cosmic Reef was something that was uh, kind of my first attempt, and I you know, I love I love it. I'm thrilled with the project. It's something that I, I, I I'm very very proud of. Um, but I think we've we've done a lot of you know evolution of the code and it's really exciting to see how that can, you know, amplify and, and extend. And we didn't want to, un, you know, we didn't want to undermine cosmic reef in any way. So the code we're using is, is completely different. Um, we did a bunch of experiments of like ways that it could be extended in the language of cosmic reef. And, you know, it's very, very um, pretty, there's a lot to work with in that, in that area. And so it's, uh, it's been great to see it evolve and to, um, and again, you know, it shares a lot of the layered qualities of Cosmic Reef, and it has this very dimensional uh, feeling. Um, but it's um, again, it's just a, it's a, it's more, you know, I think it's more evolved, and I think we're, you know, also thinking a lot more about all these things like the features and all these these parts that I, you know, I was sort of new to the last time around. So it feels like we get to address a lot of the things that, or go a little deeper. Um, but I see it as a continuum and I think that it's a, it's a very rich world. And I think we'll, you know, it's something that I, I, again, have an ideas for like, you know, a third iteration and, and, and an ongoing, um, and it's, uh, so it's, it's just, it's, I'm, uh, you know, can't wait to, 
London, and uh, hopefully lots of you guys will be able to join us there. And if not there, we'll have to find some, some way to connect uh, in New York. Definitely. And, and having seen some of the works and progress you had with Cosmic Bloom Leo in the studio, I think it's really amazing how what you've kind of taken from Cosmic Reef, what you've learned from it, um, and just to see it really expand and continue to grow is pretty wild. Um, and I know that um, you need to get back to finishing that work soon. Um, but if P and Simon, if you have any last comments or questions there. No, nothing for me. Uh, just you know, really happy to hear about what's coming up from Leo and and uh, sort of how how he sees you know what he's working on situated within the broader the broader context. Um, and you know, excited to excited to see where we all where we all get to next. Um, yeah, it's been it's been fun. Yeah, and and, and for me. Uh... I know I've been talking a lot about the future of the space and, and the trad art world mixing. I would love if, in, if you have a couple of minutes, Leo, as you talk about Cosmic Bloom and building upon Cosmic Reef, are there particular techniques or, yeah, I guess techniques is probably the right word that you're looking to push and explore yourself artistically that are different in Cosmic Bloom? Um. Well, I think it, it definitely has a, you know, very celestial vibe. Um, it's, um, you know, I was looking at um, a bunch of books about flowers and symmetry and, and all these kinds of things of breaking things down. And I'm always super interested in, in, in these underlying structures and geometry. Like when you look at a Renaissance painting, if you were to draw like, you know, uh, the geometry on top of it, you see that there is all this like stuff going on underneath it that aren't, isn't necessarily apparent. And, you know, in a way that maybe that's what equals beauty in a certain way, like certain proportions and certain uh, relationships. And um, so getting down to that level of like breaking things down uh, has been very interesting. Um, I, I would say Cosmic Bloom is not not representational. Um, it's kind of, again, you know, my, my work is about recreating stuff with code and not dealing with sort of sampling of images. Um, but trying to understand how these things, what is, you know, how would you, what is the algorithm to create a flower, um, or a, a you know, a nebula or a star field or all these different things. And, and then also just having this element of chance of the layering of these, of these systems and creating these, these really rich compositions. Um, so that's been really fun to, you know, make these individual parts, but then know that they're going to, you know, um, you know, they're sort of a, a, we call it a preset. Like if I make a discovery, I find something that I like, then it's sort of fi finding the parameters within that, that can be activated to create, you know, hundreds or thousands of, of variations. Um, so we're, we're working hard on that. Uh, to sort of define the features and then expand what that can do in terms of color and form. Um, but then the other step is this layering of all these things together. And I've been, you know, I'm, I'm just super excited about what I'm seeing and it feels like really something brand new. And, and it's always kind of, you know, it's, it's just, I feel like it's a birthing process and um, you know, my team has been incredible and super grateful to them because they're, 
you know, they often describe me as like I'm the, the astronaut out on the spacewalk and they're the ones kind of feeding me all the hoses and making sure I can do what I what I do. And and that's really how I feel. And I'm immensely grateful to them for, you know, it's been a, a lot of work and, uh, you know, a lot of challenges. But I think in the end, it's it's very satisfying to see it kind of in, in formation and uh, to see it emerge. And so we're, uh, you know, excited to kind of take that straight you know, hot from the studio to, you know, a space in London, um, and then work on all the details of how we, you know, we present the work and share it with the world. Um, so it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's really fun. And I, uh, I'm, uh, you know, excited and energized and, you know, it's always, uh, exciting to be able to bring that out to, you know, for everyone to see. Yeah. And that, preview is going to be really amazing in london um all those details can be found on outland's twitter account so if anyone will be in town um please check it out um i think we can probably wrap up at this point right i want to thank leo thank you p and simon for having us on your space with this um and everybody listening in yeah thank you for for inviting us here thanks leo for your time and your really thoughtful answers and of course your wonderful work yeah, thanks, y'all. It's a lot of fun. Thank you guys so much. Appreciate it.